I'm Bob Brill, he's Eric Kramer, and welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast. For me, you get 50 years of knowledge playing fantasy sports. From Eric, you get the kind of insight you can only get from a guy who's been a top player on the NFL stage, a leading quarterback with the Bears, Lions, Chargers. He's been there, lends his first-hand knowledge to the things you need to guide your fantasy team to victory. Now, you can find us on Radio.com, the mobile app, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, and wherever you get your podcasts. The easiest way, perhaps, just go to our website. KramerandBrill.com and the podcasts are listed on the podcast page or you can find them by clicking at the top of the home page. Check it out, KramerandBrill.com. So let me introduce you to my friend, my colleague, and my co-host Eric Kramer and we're looking at 17 weeks in the books, regular NFL season in the books and what a week it was. Playoff implications right down to the wire. A lot of teams basing their postseason trips on the Tennessee-Houston game. In the end, it was anticlimactic as the Titans, who started off the season as one of the worst teams in the NFL, beat the Texans 35-14, knocking both the Steelers and Raiders out of the picture and going into the number six seed. Now, for me personally, it was a season of frustration in both real life and fantasy. My Steelers, without Ben Roethlisberger, didn't make the playoffs anywhere, and it killed both my teams in fantasy. The good news is pitchers and catchers report in just seven weeks for early baseball training. So, uh, for Eric, your Bears also ended up out of the playoff picture. Disappointing for you as well. Oh, no doubt. Beginning with the Bears' loss to open the season against Green Bay on the Thursday night football game, right? For yep. the 100-year we NFL season. Yeah. So, I, and so now, you know, here they, in, I don't know, you fire the offensive coordinator, Mark Helfrich, and the line coach, Harry Heastan, uh, okay, that's one step, probably could have been and should have been made. But Trubisky now has been named the starter by next year or for next year by the general manager, Ryan Pace. And uh, so to me, it's make it or break it time. And all I have to do is go back to what you just said about the Titans, who started off one of the worst teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. All they did was replace their quarterback. That's it. Yep. And now they're in the playoffs and one of the hottest teams in the league. And what I think the Bears should be doing right now is if they're not going to replace Trubisky, create a decision-making process by which at the end of next training camp, you have, Trubisky has to earn that that position, not be given it a year, a year in advance. I don't agree with that. All right. Most regular fantasy playoff leagues were done, uh, but the fantasy season itself is not over with lots of fantasy extra leagues going on. The NFL is tied uh, to those to the playoffs, of course. So there's fans like uh, our sites like FanDuel. They do as well. They're going to be playing on. So we're going to look at this past week and the weeks ahead for those folks who are still in need of fantasy advice. So let's take a look at how we did. It was a weekend where some studs did not play because their teams had playoffs wrapped up with nothing more to gain. So starters such as Lamar Jackson sat and Deshaun Watson also took a seat. We told you about those guys last week. Uh, players who did play and who had strong games were Derrick Henry, who's really come on, Michael Gallup, Joe yep. Mixon, Damian Williams, Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, Jared Goff, uh, Rashad Perriman, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mike Boone, A.J. Brown, and Drew Brees. So let's r- get right to how we did for you. Now, we said to play Derrick Henry. And you heard Eric talking about it last week. Both of us were really high on it. He had 211 yards and three touches. We like Not a Michael, bad week. A great week. We like Michael Gallup, five catches, 98 yards, and three scores. Joe Mixon, who's 162 and two TDs, showed he was solid again. Dak Prescott, 303, four touchdowns. Elliott with 122 and two scores. 
Goff, 319 and three touchdowns in a meaningless game. Perriman, five catches, 134 to touch. Fitzpatrick had 320. Boone had 148. Cooper Cup was back, 98 in the score, 99 in the score. A.J. Brown's 123 in the score, solid, as was Tyler Higby, who played five straight weeks. Real solid football, 84 yards on eight catches and a score. We like Devontae Adams, uh, 7 to 93 in a touch. Hunter Renfro had 102 in a touch on only six catches. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 92 in a touch, plus three. Uh, catches, that is. Derek Carr, 391 and a score. Aaron Rodgers had 323. Steve Sims had five catches, 81 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery had 113 and a touchdown. Did you see that run where he carried like five guys for seven yards? It was cool. More like five guys pushed him from the Bears across the goal line, but that was still nice. I mean, I was sitting there thinking, because we talked about him not running hard lately, and then this happens. And then we, we, you were saying how hard Gus Edwards runs, and we liked him in Baltimore. And all he did get this week was gain 130 yards. So we told you Matt yep. Barkley good. Yeah, was probably not uh, was probably going to start in Buffalo, and he did. Threw for 232, uh, a couple of touchdowns and a pick. Ronald Jones had 11 carries for 106. Just a couple of guys we figured would get more action, and they did. Guys we told you to sit because they would, or who you just needed to stay away from, and who came through as predicted, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Andy Dalton, Kyler Murray, David Blau, Le'Veon Bell, Drew Locke, Todd Gurley, and Mitch Trubisky. So surprises and disappointments for you, my friend. Well, um, you know, I think... To get right to it, I think that um, I think I'm over being surprised or disappointed at this point. And I think now that the playoffs are right around the corner, starting next weekend, if I get right to who I think is the contenders and all of this, I think it's the Ravens and Chiefs in the, in the AFC. I think the NFC. You got the 49ers, Saints, and even though the Seahawks lost to the 49ers, I still think they're right there with the 49ers. Yeah, I do too. They're pretty really much everybody in the NFC. You know, they lost that game yep, exactly. on one stupid play. One stupid play. How how in the how in the world do you go seventeen games? You're in the last minute of the regular yep. season. You're right. first in goal on the one yard line, you got fifty one seconds left and you have a delay of game penalty? How does that happen? A, a delay of game penalty backed up by a catch that falls one inch short. Unbelievable. Just on fourth on fourth down. I don't get it. You're right. Um, and then I think to look back at the Ravens, you know, in the AFC, you got the Ravens. They've got a unique offensive roster. There's no doubt. Nobody else has Lamar Jackson. And even though Robert Griffin III came in this week and played and played well, you could tell there's still an athletic difference between two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And on the Chiefs side, they, you know, they they have more overall team speed, I think, than I've ever seen. And they got a quarterback who makes it all look effortless. Even their defense with Frank uh, Clark and Tyron Matthew. These guys can make plays. And, you know, if I look, flip over to the NFL or NFC, you got the 49ers, who I think have the best running game other than the Ravens, and uh, also have got great team speed. They got, uh, you know, Mostert, who's basically a, a, got sprinter type speed running the ball for him. You got the Saints with Breeze and Peyton and loaded with weapons there. And I think the Seahawks, obviously, are kind of all in there together. So, you know, I think uh, a couple of things, though, I think that did uh, at least catch me off guard a little bit is the Browns now, the only team to fire their head coach, Freddie Kitchens, and the general manager, John Dorsey. So I think that's basically the ownership saying that, okay, we've got enough talent here. We just need somebody from the head coaching spot 
and some general manager spots to start building for the future, and the head coach put it all together. Um, I think the Bills are probably next year's biggest upward mover along with, uh, uh, well, just that in itself. I think the Cardinals also, the combination of Kingsbury and Murray did better than I expected, and I think also could make a big move uh, in 2020. The Steelers, I'll agree with you, when they lost Roethlisberger, that seemed to destroy their season, although they had a little surge there for a while, but obviously not having him really hurt them down the last month and a half. So obviously next year, getting a backup quarterback, I think would be an ideal move for them. And then the most uh, confusing team to me right now is the Cowboys. How are they, as good as they are, which they just, they played, I think, top to bottom, probably their best game of the year against the Redskins, and now they're not going to the playoffs. And all, all the days that pass and have passed with no decision made at, at the head coaching job, Garrett, how can he come back? And if you keep waiting long enough, you're going to lose out on, on better options. Yeah, that, that's for sure. You know, the thing on the, on the still game, Bob Labriola, I've just read his column, probably said it best. Uh, you know, when Roethlisberger went down, they had that 0-3 start. And then what happens is they find something that works and it works for like three or four games. But the NFL is so tight on research and film and everything. Three or four games doing it with smoke and mirrors. The other guys in game four have you figured out. They have you figured out. And you can't do what you did the last three games. So now you got to come up with something different. And they did come up with something different. And after like two or three games, the other teams had looked at so much film and figured out what they could do. And more, more importantly, what the Steelers couldn't do. And well, I, I, I agree with you, but I'll say this. I think you being a Steelers fan, and I think one of the things all Steelers fans can look forward to next year is the, the Steelers still have one of the better defenses oh, yeah. in the league. T.J. Yeah. Watt, again, played out of his mind, Amazing. forced a fumble. He just, you know, it, that defense is not going anywhere. Offensively, they're solid. And once they get healthy up front and Roethlisberger comes back, their offense is going to be solid. So I think, you know, next year could be a quick turnaround for the Steelers. I think it will be, too. Uh, I think, you know, it, uh, if they keep Bud Dupree, which he's in the contract here, that's going to be a big thing. Uh, and they don't have a first-round draft pick. So um, whoever, you know, comes up in the second round hopefully will help. I think, I think you're right, though. I think it's going to be a good one. On the injury front, let's go there. Uh, there are injuries which will affect the playoffs this coming week and beyond. Kenny Stills is nursing a knee, Dalvin Cook, but he is planning on returning for the playoffs. Miles Sanders remains questionable for the Eagles. Zach Ertz was inactive but could be ready for the playoffs. Uh, when it comes to the waiver wire, really there isn't too much to look at, but keep an eye on what New Orleans does after working on Antonio Brown. Now, they're not going to sign Antonio Brown, but the Saints, as of Sunday, had not signed him, and they said they wanted to find out uh, his postseason availability, which other teams may look at. Whatever it is, is it's not likely someone will pick him up with playoffs are here, so don't discount anything. Uh, we already had some coaching action, as, as you mentioned. Uh, uh, after one season, Freddie Kitchens is out, so is the GM. I uh, can't say I'm surprised. They gave him all the tools of the 6-10 and 10 finishes, not what management expected. Kitchens got one season. Pat Shermer out with the Giants after a season of turmoil. He was 9-23 and 23 in his career. Ron Rivera taken over in Washington. And with his last pass of the season, Jameis Winston became the first player in NFL history to throw 30 or more touchdowns and 30 interceptions. 33 scores, 30 picks, also set a new record with seven interceptions returned for touchdowns. Wow. 
And Bruce Arians said uh, just the other day that um, Tampa Bay could win with another quarterback. So we'll see where that goes next year. Well, okay. A final game for the Oakland Raiders, and maybe the final game is a charger for Phillip Rivers. Likely, too, the final game in Pittsburgh for Duck Hodges. Uh, Eli may retire rather than back up, and Phillip Rivers would rather play for someone else rather than retire. So the offseason is going to be loaded with some question marks and hopefully some answers. Most of the draft order set with the Bengals getting number one, Redskins number two, followed by the Lions, the Giants, and Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers, Cardinals, Jags, Browns rounding out the top ten. Dolphins have three picks in the first round. Would you have thought at the end, going into this year, that we'd be saying that the Browns were going to have one of the top ten picks with the talent? No, but I, I, I would have thought with the season having been played the way it has, the Bears would have cracked the top ten <laughs> yeah, in the I NFL know. draft order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to the playoff games. Titans and Patriots. Now this is a tale of two teams heading in different directions with the Titans on a roll and the Patriots in a slump. So let's look at the Patriots first. You have to believe New England is really missing Gronk at this point because he was counted on so much and the tight end position just hasn't had the success for Brady and company this year. Brady will perform, but he has to perform better than he has recently. Running game looks solid with uh, White leading the way. Sonny Michel as the number two. So I like that part of the game for New England. I'm just not a believer in Sanu, Dorsett, Jacoby Myers, and Nikhil Harry. Although I do like Harry going into this first round. Yeah, and I think what's going to hurt the Patriots here as they go is there are no more bad teams. They're all winning teams. And the Patriots have not been able to beat a winning team. In fact, lost to the Dolphins, a losing team, one of the worst in the league, the last game of the season. And then, you know, Brady throws early in the first quarter, throws a pick for a touchdown. They end up in the, on the last play of the game trying to repeat what the Dolphins did to them last year and create a multi-lateral play in order to score a touchdown. Obviously, it didn't work. But I think the Patriots are that desperate. They don't have something where when they entered last year's playoffs, they had a solid running game to count on. They had a solid defense to count on. They still had Gronk who you had mentioned that they don't have anymore, and they don't have offensively, I don't think, a way to control the game for two or three series or perhaps a quarter to kind of turn the momentum around offensively. They just don't have that right now. And Brady, unfortunately, doesn't have the mobility to kind of create things on his own. So his guys either got to get open, or if they don't get open, there's nothing to do with the ball but throw it away. Yeah. And you know, so moving in moving into this game, I say the Patriots are going to have a very big uphill battle because they're catching the Titans, who are white hot right now. They are. Uh, so what what are you looking at with the Titans? Well, I I love Tannehill. He's played great, as you mentioned. Um, Derrick Henry all year long has been what I didn't think he could be, and that is a consistent runner. I believe he's leading the league this year yeah, in rushing. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he's just, he's put up a couple of 200 yard rushing games. And I think anytime they can run the ball, which is pretty much every game, that's going to lend itself to a solid uh, play action passing game. Tannehill can just drop back without a solid running game and still beat you. And as we've talked about for the last few weeks, they've had A.J. Uh, Brown step up and the other tight end, um, his name's escaping me right now, but he stepped up, another big, you know, solid runner after the catch. So I think the I think the Titans are going to win this game. This is, you know, defensively I think they match up well with the Patriots. Offensively I think they're better than the Patriots. 
So I give this game to the Titans. Well, for me, I can't discount a Bill Belichick team, but i got to believe in the Titans here, too. They're on a roll. Tannehill's playing almost better than any quarterback in the NFL, not named Ryan Fitzpatrick. A.J. Brown could be the offensive Who won't player. be in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> uh, who... who he replaced, <laughs> you know. Uh, A.J. Brown could be the offensive rookie of the year. Derrick Henry has become the new beast mode. 1,320 yards, 13 scores this season. Tannehill only had six picks. Who remembers Corey Davis? And he was the number two on the team in receptions with 39. Brown had 48, nearly 1,000 yards, and seven TDs in the air. And just a final note here on the Patriots. We both said Gronk in game eight. Well, I guess we are both wrong. He likes probably... Um, Doing TV too much at this point. <laughs> it's a little, a little easier True, on his body, but right? I think he was also the talk of the entire people that were talking about the NFL in the media, anyway. About he was a likely guy to come back, yeah. you know, because yeah. I think a lot of people saw the Patriots would probably struggle offensively, would be there in the playoff hunt, and then should he return, they would probably you know, develop more of a passing game, which they probably would have had he come back. Exactly. I think the, the scenario was there. It just didn't happen because I think, as you said, he probably enjoyed living life outside of football a little bit more than he did inside of it. Yeah, not get his body banged around each week. Uh, Bills and Texans, I just got word, I'm just looking now, just got word that the Texans have activated defensive end J.J. Watt. So they're going to have him. Earlier this year, you were high on Josh Allen and I wasn't. Well, you made a believer out of me. I think he is, at least this year, far and above Deshaun Watson, who I love. He had over 3,000 yards passing, 500 rushing. How about TDs? Uh, rushing with nine to go with uh, 20 passing and only nine picks. Devin Singletary, 775 yards rushing. John Brown, 72 catches, 1,060 yards. Frank Gore, 573 rushing. Cole Beasley, 67 catches for nearly 800 yards. Plus, their defense is solid, too. I gotta, I really got to take the Bills over the Texans in this one. Yeah, I think um, this is going to be a great game. I think it's you know, instinctively, I want to say the Bills. However, the Texans, I think, you know, they sat everybody last week. So they're going to be, I think, much more rested, obviously, than the Bills will be. Although they sat a lot of their offensive guys, too. But I think the combination of Sean Watson and Hopkins and uh, now that J.J. Watt's going to return, I think defensively they can be up or down. But I think the Bills, um, I think Josh Allen, to me, is just one of the great stories so far this year and offensively they've just done a lot of good positive things they don't give games away you know defensively they're solid and I think Josh Allen has learned that if I just don't lose the game I can be productive he can run the ball well he can score both running the ball throwing the ball and he has not made the big mistake that he made last year that kept him out of the playoffs now that they're in I like their chances here. It, to me, this is a toss-up. The Texans are at home. I think for that reason only, I'll go with the Texans. Well, the Texans, I was just disappointed in the amount of sacks that Watson took this year, as well as his overall performance. Now, he's better than he's shown, I think. Yes, he did throw for 3,600 yards, 26 TDs, 12 picks, seven more uh, TDs rushing and 413 yards. But he took 44 sacks. That's a lot. It's a lot of time to spend on your butt, as you well know. Uh, DeAndre oh, Hopkins yeah. is solid, hauling in 104 this year for 1165 and seven scores, more than I thought he was going to get this year. Okay, he caught two-thirds of his targets. Uh, Will Fuller, Duke Johnson, Kenny Stills, Darren Fells all had good receiving years. So the ground game pretty much depended on Carlos Hyde with 1,000 yards, but Watson was second. I think the Bills' D puts them on over the top on this one, and two to three sacks of Watson I don't think are out of the question. 
Vikings and the Saints. This one really, I think, is going to fall on the health of Dalvin Cook. Cousins can overcome the loss, but it won't be easy. If Cook plays, and he's really Dalvin Cook, the Vikings have a shot at this one. I like Cousins, who threw for over 3,600, 26 TDs, and only six picks, mainly to Stephon Diggs. And Cook, who had 116 between them. So Diggs, over 1,100 yards. Missing has been Adam Thielen. If he's back and back to form, it bodes well for Minnesota. Irv Smith had an okay rookie season with 35 catches compared to Kyle Rudolph's 39. Mike Boone, he's a key here as well because if Cook can play, then Boone gives them another option. If he can't, then it all falls on Boone's shoulders. Yeah, I think the, I agree with a lot of what you said regarding the Vikings. There's a lot to like there, but the key word that you kept mentioning was if. Mm-hmm. If Dalvin Cook's back. If Adam Thielen's back, and if Irv Smith can, you know, uh, or not Irv Smith, but if uh, Mike Boone, you know, uh, if Cook's back, that gives them two options with Boone and Cook. Um, you know, if you look back, Mike, uh, I didn't think Mike Boone was going to have a great running game against the Bears, but he did. Yeah. So I'm not sure Dalvin Cook is such the key here as Adam Thielen. Offensively, if Adam Thielen's back, that gives them two wideouts. Uh, which they really, need. they and really need. You do, especially against the Saints, I think. And I think, uh, you know, Irv Smith, as you said, has added some uh, another dimension at tight end. Kyle Rudolph has obviously been great in the red zone. But I think Saints, just there's no way they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs this year. I think it being uh, Drew Brees' what is it, 41 now, the combination of, of – Breeze and Sean Payton calling plays, along with all of the weapons they've got, including, you know, not just uh, uh, Alvin Kamara and uh, 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 Latavius Murray, but just Taysom Hill and all, not just Michael Thomas, but a lot of the other wideouts that they've got, including Jared Cook, who's come on huge in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. I just don't see the Saints. I know their defense has been up and down at times but I think they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time this year. I don't see the Saints losing this game, and they're at home. I'll take the Saints. I like the Saints here very much. Uh, Drew Brees on fire right now. Running game solid. Receivers are playing well, especially Michael Thomas, who seems unstoppable. Close to the 145 catches, 1,689 yards and nine touches. Awesome. You mentioned Jared Cook caught 41 while Brees spread the ball around to the other wideouts. Uh, the strong stat is the backs receiving. Kamara had 79, Murray had 33. Between them, they had 112 catches. Uh, the team defense has been off and on all year, but mostly on. The amazing thing is Brees only threw for 2,700 yards this year, which is much less than the average elite quarterbacks, but he did throw 24 TDs and only had uh, four picks. Now, I did sit out those five games with an injury, and that really cut down on his yardage, but his efficiency was really, really strong. Uh, Seahawks at the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are perhaps the weakest of the playoff teams, I think, barely getting in on the last Sunday of the season. They also saw their top running back go down with an injury, and it's going to be a week of watching Miles Sanders' progress going into the wild card game. After an up-and-down early part of the season, Wentz finished pretty strong. 26 touchdowns, only 7 picks, 3,700 yards. That's in that elite class where the elite quarterbacks have been. Uh, Sanders led the team with 766 yards in his second season, caught another 47 passes. Jordan Howard, who was the, the guy who was supposed to be the savior, came in. He had 525 before an injury took him out. Receiving, Zach Ertz was himself again, 88 catches. The other tight end, Dallas Goddard, had 54 and 11 touchdowns between them. So between them, they had 140 catches 
for at the tight end position and 11 touchdowns. That's that's a pretty awesome stat. But the wide receiver spot is where they really need the help. Aguilar, Jeffrey went down. Deshaun Jackson went down. Greg Ward did step up with 22 catches, but they really need some help here. Boston Scott caught 20 out of the backfield in just a couple of games. It's just difficult to see this team advancing. Uh, maybe Antonio Brown fits in here. I don't know. <laughs> I you know I'm going to go back to this past weekend where the 49ers. Uh, as you mentioned, basically one bad play the Seahawks have kept them from winning that game. I like the Seahawks in this one, um, not because the Eagles are banged up, which they are, certainly at the receiver position, but the Seahawks, I think, are one of those teams that defensively they're going to stay in every game. Russell Wilson is one of maybe the top two quarterbacks in the league, if he's not the best. Then you've got their wide receivers are starting to, I think, D.K. Metcalf, I think especially, has started to become a more reliable weapon and a big play weapon all at the same time. they got Tyler Lockett as well, who is a big play receiver for them. And I think, uh, you know, their running game. Heck, now that they've got, you know, they've already had a bunch of guys step up at different times throughout the year. Now to end the year, they get Marshawn Lynch back, who has a solid game against, uh, you know, to round out the season against the 49ers. So I'm going to take the Seahawks, not because the Eagles aren't, uh, are, as you mentioned, one of the, the weaker teams in the playoffs. I think the Seahawks are one of the stronger teams. That's why I'm taking them. Were you surprised at how well Marshawn Lynch played? I was. I, in fact, I was watching the game telling somebody, you're not going to believe it, because the person I was sitting with didn't know anything about football. I'm like, this guy's been out of football for two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> he comes in, he dives over yeah, for a as he's, <laughs> as he's breaking three, four tackles for a run. <laughs> Well, the Seahawks also have been hit hard by the injury bug, especially at running back. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, C.J. Procise. But they did go out and resign Lynch. So we'll see if Beast Mode is back in the playoffs. I, I think he is. I think we're right here. We'll see how, you know, he, he stayed in shape, obviously. So it's up to Russell Wilson in the passing game, and that's a solid game. D.K. Metcalf, as you mentioned, had a solid rookie year. Over 50 catches. Tyler Lockett went over 1,000 yards. But the tight end slot is left to Jacob Hollister, who coming into the final game of the regular season at 37 catches. Wilson is the key, though, here. With one game to go, he had 29 touchdowns, only five picks, plus 313 rushing and three scores there. Now, I think it's a, really a toss-up game, but I really do believe Seattle moves on and Philadelphia goes home. Before we wrap this up, you got anything last you'd uh, like to throw in? Well, I think I would uh, – nothing that I haven't said already. No, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the, the, what I said in the very beginning, that uh, looking back next year – I'm hopeful, being you know a Bears fan after having played there, I, I'm hopeful the Bears and Trubisky can turn things around. I just wish that they would make him earn it, go through all the off-season training, all training camp, come out of that the clear-cut choice to be the quarterback, something I don't think he's earned over the course of this season in 2019. So we'll see how that goes. Well, you know, they do have a head coaching job open. You stand by your phone? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got yeah, people telling I mean, me. I, I got people telling me. You know, somebody messaged us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, saying Eric needs to go back to Chicago and come back and be our coach. <laughs> I yeah, I'm starting to think about it. My only real head coaching position has been as. 
coaching my two sons in youth football, but we did all right. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know how that looks on a resume, though. Okay. Well, just a reminder: we'll be carrying our fantasy football picks through the Super Bowl with a wrap up on the day after and a recap of how we did for you, so you can see how we helped along the way. Or maybe we didn't help you. We hope we did, and we hope you like the podcast and keep coming back after the Super Bowl. We're going to update every few weeks, uh, looking at the ancient times in fantasy. I'll also be doing a fantasy football primer for new uh, newcomers or those just in need of additional understanding. Then Eric and I will take a look at the NFL draft leading up to the preview of the 2020 NFL fantasy season like we did last year. Uh, there you have it, this week's fantasy football podcast. Join us each upcoming Tuesday night for a look at the upcoming NFL games. And you can find us on the radio.com mobile app, iTunes, Stitcher, Lipsum, and wherever you get your podcasts. Easiest way, perhaps, just to go to our website, KramerandBrill.com, and podcasts are listed on the podcast page, or you can find them by clicking at the top of the homepage. page right there. Click here for the latest podcast. Check it out, KramerandBrill.com. For my friend Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill.